Welcome to Rockin' All Week with you, Season 6, Episode 8. This one is covering just one episode, but it's not an hour-long episode. It's a Christmas episode. Yes! We did the trifecta. We got the Halloween episode in, we got the Thanksgiving episode in, and now we get the Christmas episode in this season. And this was Christmas time, 16th episode of the season. Originally aired December 19, 1978. Written by Beverly Bloomberg and directed, of course, by Jerry Paris. In this episode, uh, I'm going to be joined by Joanna Wilson. Again, yay, Christmas TV history expert. She joined me uh, for Guess Who's Coming to Christmas back in Season 2. The the last full-on proper Christmas, not just Christmas-adjacent episode. So it's going to be great to have her back here. And we have a good time chatting about this one. And then after that, I will be reading to you from two reviews uh, that I wrote for... Um, guess who's coming to Christmas and Christmas time and posted on my blog um, some Polish American guy reviews things back in Christmas time 2015 so look forward to that so it'll be Joanne and myself then some reviews being read and then you can go on your, your merry way let me give you a little plot breakdown for Christmas time three main plots going uh, one of them is that Mr. C is selling uh, you know, fake Christmas trees at the hardware store he gives one to Al who puts it up in Arnold's, doesn't particularly like it, but he puts it up. And none of the family, when Mr. C brings the fake Christmas tree home, like the tree. So they may have to do something about that. Then there's another plot line where uh, Lori Beth and Richie have given each other strict limits on how much they can spend on each other at Christmas. And there may be some problems with that. The main storyline in this episode is the Fonz is up in his apartment and a sailor shows up at the door. And this sailor gives the Fonz a gift. And the gift is from the Fonz's dad, Vito. And the Fonz becomes very angry. You know the story. You know, Vito, the Fonz's dad ran off, left him and his mom alone when he was, uh, when the Fonz was eight. And the Fonz is just not dealing with it, especially this time of year, not dealing with the feelings he has for his dad. He doesn't want to touch the gift. He doesn't want to know anything about it. Richie is far more interested in, in it and getting the Fonz to sort of face up to his feelings about his dad. Um, and he uses a little tough love, and the Fonz isn't happy. But I will leave it there, because Joanna and I will go into it. I'm going to play you a little blast of music, and Joanna and I are on the other side. See you there. <laughs> Christmas time is here. Actually, wrong thing altogether, but this episode is called Christmas Time, everyone. And this is the second um, full Christmas episode. We had, was it Richie Breaks Out or Breaks Out? Or the one from season four with the uh, where he pretends to be the photographer, which is sort of Christmas adjacent. And But this is the second full-on Christmas episode. And as with the first full-on Christmas episode, guess who I've got with me? Wrong. It's Joanna Wilson, everyone, and she's back. Joanna, how are you? What's going on? I'm good, Dan. Thanks for having me. This is Yay. great. I love talking about Christmas. Uh, so let let me um uh, I did I did this with you last time, but would you just please tell the folks? And I think they probably heard you from the last one, but just uh, would you mind as you did the last time? Just tell tell us what uh, about your books, real quick, or or not real quick. Take your time. I'll sit back. Ah. <laughs> Thank. Um, I specialize, I'm a TV and film researcher and writer, and I specialize in Christmas entertainment. My reputation is based on the book Tis a Season TV, which is an encyclopedia of Christmas-themed episodes, specials, and made-for-TV movies. It uh, came out in 2010, and I'm excited to say that um, the second edition, the updated version, is coming out in 2020, next year. 
uh, on the 20th anniversary of the first or on the 10th anniversary of the first one. So I'm excited um, that that's coming out and I'm finishing it up now. But um, from that research that I did to write the encyclopedia about Christmas entertainment, I also have several other books that spun out of that, uh, including Christmas TV Companion, which is about the more unusual um, Christmas programs, which includes Christmas horror, Christmas science fiction, um, dark themed Christmas entertainments and, and other unusual things. I also have uh, Triple Dog Dare, which is about the phenomenon of a, the 1983 movie, A Christmas Story, which is about the 24 hour marathon that's aired for more than 20 years on cable TV and has really uh uh, caused that movie to uh, become even more of an icon at, at the holiday time. And I also have a, a book, Merry Musical Christmas, Volume 1, which is a discussion of the best musical performances in sitcoms and dramas. An awful lot of people connect to their Christmas spirit through Christmas music, and, uh, and there is an awful lot of Christmas music in um TV episodes, especially sitcoms and dramas. We're gonna we're gonna dive right into Christmas time. What what did you think of Christmas time? Well, this is another really uh, meaningful, emotional uh, Happy Days Christmas episode, and certainly, guess who's coming to Christmas? The second season Christmas episode is my favorite, but I would call Christmas time the sixth season episode my second favorite uh, Happy Days Christmas episode. This is my third favorite. Uh, and I, I think my my second is the, I forget the name of it. I want to say it's White Christmas. It's from season eight, and it's the first one without Richie and Ralph. There, it's the one where there's the huge blizzard, and everyone sort of gets. Is it season eight? Um, and everyone gets yeah. kind of. Some of them are, some of them are at the Cunninghams' house. Some of them are at Arnold's. Some of them, oh, oh, like um, uh, Joni and Mr. C are at the hardware store, and they're all kind of snowed in. And um, I, 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 this the the plot line with the Fonz in this one obviously is important and and quite quite wonderful. But ov- overall, I, I like episodes where there's a bit of um, and it's ha- where there's a bit of peril, and sort of like people are stuck in places and and there's blizzards and and things like that. So I, but this this is a this is a this is a close. I mean, it's very close to being my second favorite. Yeah, the stuff with Fonz and his dad. I, again, like like when we talked. Guess who's coming to Christmas? Uh, we talked about the Fonz having no family, and um, uh, and the Cunninghams bringing him in. By this point in in the show, I mean we we see at the end Christmas Eve when they each get to open one gift. You see the Fonz sitting there, kind of going, you know, like, oh, this is my favorite part. So he's been part of the family for a while now. Obviously, he's been living above the garage for th- three and a half seasons, I think, at this point. So, so the the introduction of his dad is is an interesting one, and it's it's um it, it's 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 really nice because you can see obviously yeah the Fonz has got a lot of emotions regardless as he should, and but you can see like when Vito shows up I you know I did I just spoil it for you folks the the guy who shows up that's his dad but but he can't tell the I, I, you you could have figured that one out folks, um but there, there's just a great sort of the the brief scene they have together and from my remembrance yes we we don't see the Fonz's dad again he doesn't show up again so although this was something he dealt with throughout previous episodes you know not having uh family it's it's at this point there's there's a brief scene like with maybe two minutes where the two of them are talking and, and Vito knows who this the Fonz is but the Fonz doesn't know who this guy is and you could see him, uh, the dad, trying to sort of get to a point where he thinks he can say, I'm your dad. But the Fonz is so angry and sort of upset by this that he Vito can't get in. And so he leaves without saying who he is. Um, which, yeah, obviously is sad, but... Um, but the the I, 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 I hate to say it, but the Fonz sort of has a family now, and um, you know his and 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 we will actually get in three or four seasons from this point, we'll get an episode with his maybe his mom in it. Yeah, it's it's that that the scenes with the Fonz and his dad and is are are great scenes I think, and I love uh, Richie in this episode. Well, 
Okay. Here, here, I, I love ha- Richie and half of this episode. There's a like C plot in this involving gifts, um, uh, gift giving, which um, I could have done without. Um, but uh, the way Richie and the Fonz um, uh, re- react to one another with with Richie, the moment Richie learns the gift is from his dad, Richie wants him to open it, but the Fonz won't do it, and then. Uh, and the Fonz gets to the point where he's, he looks like he's going to beat Richie up, but Richie keeps pushing and pushing, and good, good comes out of it. But you, you can see there, there are certain moments where Richie has to tread lightly, and um, and and some t- and this one, luckily he 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 treads lightly at first, and then he kind of steamrolls over the Fonz to get the Fonz to to face this. So, uh, which makes this sound like the most serious Christmas episode ever. It's not. It's not at all. What What did you think, uh, Joanna? Uh, the last time we talked, we were watching the show and it was single camera with the laugh track. What did you think of this? Multiple camera with the loud audience and everything. What What did, was there any sort of whoa shock or, or anything? Yeah, and there is a bit. There is a big difference between these earlier in the first two seasons of of Happy Days, where um, you know they are filmed and they're the tone is different than when they move to these. Uh, episodes that are filmed in front of a live audience, things are different, definitely. And not just in tone and how it's filmed and how it's recorded, but also in the the evolution of Fonzie moving into acceptable society and being welcomed into the Cunningham family as a, as, as a member of the family, essentially. Um, so things are really different here. And yet, you know, it's hard to even imagine what this entire series would be if you know it, it, what ran eleven seasons, what if all eleven seasons were from the original, in the same tone and filmed in the same way as the first two? Yeah. Uh, what if it had started yeah. off in front of a live audience and had had it had started with that different tone that we see through most of the seasons, most of the series? It's it's impossible to imagine. It it needs both of those. Uh, it's a part of the evolution of the series, and this is just. You know, uh, the first significant um, full-on Christmas episode, as you said, it's the first full-on with uh, filmed in front of the live audience with uh, that second <laughs> setup of the living room, um, yeah. and it, it's the tone is different, but it's a part of the evolution of what the series is to become and why we love Happy Days overall. I, I think the I, I think we had to have now 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 I'm saying this obviously from from a distance. But the great thing about those two early seasons is they are there is a there they are more intimate. Um, they are because um, uh, the camera can like go on to the sets and into the sets. Whereas he, here you're you're basically the the cameras are always like at the edge of the set and you can get some close ups and things, but it's always the same sort of uh, plane that the cameras are on which I'll, I'll talk about in a few minutes which makes for if, if you think about the layouts of the rooms there it makes for some really weird and I'm not going to mention like the edge of the booth in Arnold's which I talk about all the time that there should be a wall there <laughs> and we shouldn't be seeing we shouldn't be seeing the edge of those seats I yeah. think that was more that that was more and and there's even there's that episode from season one where they're sitting in the booth and you know you can see the the edge of the booth, which you shouldn't be able to see. And then the, the Richie goes to get a phone call, and he goes back into the set. And then the camera is with him, and you see him look back over his shoulder at the booth, and you can see them sitting at the booth. And there's a wall there, so there is meant to be a wall. And folks, you've heard me talk about this for hours. I'm not gonna. It's just, it. I think it's less important when they're in front of a live audience. Um, uh, so why they kept doing it when there wasn't a live audience there, I, I, I don't know. But, um, yeah, there, there is... Um, I, I think the thing with the first two seasons is since they are more intimate and since they would do episodes like Guess Who's Coming to Christmas, which would have long stretches without jokes, um, you got to really yeah. know the characters. So then when the characters went in front of an audience and people are constantly applauding and cheering and, and it's more about generally the jokes... You know the characters really, really well, and it's not, and it's it's it it 
I, I think all those seasons kind of, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure what point I'm making here, but it's sort of like the, the sort of the intimacy and the more emotional stuff in the first two seasons carries over into this time when they're all basically joking most of the time. So you still have all that stuff in your mind, the history. And so when you have an episode where like, like, for example, um, uh, the the opening scene with Mrs. C and Joni. So they walk in and they're singing and they got gifts and they they do that thing where they pass from the kitchen to the uh, the living room and the camera kind of pans along with them. Again, there's a wall there, but I'll talk about that in a, in a moment. Um, but but the way the way Joni and Mrs. C are they're talking about gifts and um, that they they bought and Mrs. C is hoping that the gifts will be all right. But but they're sort of they're not like moving around the room they're sort of like standing there they're they're standing there basically facing a wall holding up gifts and they're do and it's like a routine they're, they're doing a routine like mrs c is holding up a gift and then joni kind of leans in and says something and everyone laughs and it's much more i don't want to say it's vaudeville but uh, it's much more sort of um there it's 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 gone from being what it was then, uh, which is like almost short films, to being uh, a regular sitcom. Um, and that's not bad. I love it. But it is, it is, it, it I, I, I guess the big thing that I noticed is that um, they, I, I don't, I don't, I, I wouldn't call it, they, they, it seems like they might be afraid, but they're, they're, um, they, they never go that long without a joke. And occasionally, There'll be a joke where it's like, ah, we didn't need a joke there, kind of thing. Uh, I call it was it the yeah. the different the different strokes effect, where different strokes would have like very special episodes, but they still have jokes in there. So when things were happening yeah. that were kind of horrible, they st Arnold would still be cracking wise, you know. And it just yeah, it, 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 or, or, it and it just feels it feels slightly no not that. I, I don't dislike it, but it's it it is a bit of a, a difference hopping from that. Uh, guess who's something? Guess who's well, coming to Christmas to hear? It is, and and your reference to vaudeville is actually apt because the comedy that sitcoms came to embrace and Happy Days included, um, you know that style of comedy was very broad, and which is very uh, vaudeville esque. And let's remember that the all the sitcoms that eventually grew into this format which Happy Days is also doing, um, which also killed the sitcom format in the 80s. <laughs> when yes. there's all these all this talk in the 80s of the death of the sitcom, this is exactly what they're referring to, was this broadness, this constant jokes, and their, the poignancy and the, the emotion and, and whatever else would go on in sitcoms prior, um, it was really just eliminated <laughs> or, or just pushed over, pushed down or under, and um, we're seeing the evolution of the sitcom here, which would eventually lead to its death. And then other sitcoms would have to be just sort of have to reinvent that style in order to uh, come to the comedy and that we know today. Uh, it's, yeah. it's fascinating. I like that you're yeah. actually pulling out all the elements and pointing it out. This is an important uh, stage in all of that evolution. What what what? But I think when you got to the '80s, you would have more. I mean, because when I think of sitcoms from the '60s, I think of things like, just because I'm writing a book on it, stuff like Beverly Hillbillies, Petticoat Junction, or Green Acres. Petticoat Junction would have some poignant stuff going on here and there. How could it not? It's about a single mom with her three daughters. Um, but Beverly Hillbillies, apart from maybe three moments, it's never poignant. It's it's always silly and it's always goofing and it's and Green Acres is more or less the same way. It has its its poignant moments, um, but the the thing is, you, you you see it in, like like when sort of I I I I'm gonna say poignant again when that I, poignant stuff happens in Guess Who's Coming to Christmas. It it really works because they're able to calm down. Even though that episode I think is paced like a bullet, it it can calm down. Whereas this, it, it does calm down, but when it calms down and it's going to get poignant, it begins to play, there's some background music. So the moment like Richie opens up the letter from Fonzie's dad, you start to hear like that very special moment sitcom music playing. And shows like, <laughs> shows like I guess like Facts of Life and Different Strokes, um, 
you know, would have the moment where we learn our lesson in the end. Especially Facts of Life used to drive me up the wall with that. And every and everything would stop dead for the lesson. Here, with, with the scene with the Fonz and, and learning about his dad, here it works. And they actually do slow it down for a few minutes. When Richie reads the letter, and when Mr. C gets angry at the Fonz's dad, and, and, and the Fonz's wonderful response to the letter and Mr. C. It's really a great moment. I mean, I think the closest we get to sort of the, the poignancy of Guess Who's Coming to Christmas in this one, I think is when they're trying to get the Fonz to open the gift, and he won't open the gift, and watch Mr. C. I said this with Guess Who's Coming to Christmas. Watch Mr. C's face, because he doesn't know what's going on. And so, like, he, he just thinks it's a gift. He doesn't know who it's from. So just watch his face as it keeps going back and forth. And Mr. C has a look on his face like, what's it, what's ha-? And finally he says, I don't, you know, I don't get it. What's happening here? And, 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 and it's, it's, it's a great, I don't want to make this the Mr. C show as I tend to do sometimes. But it's, that's a, that's a great scene. But mixed in with all, and, and I will say the, I love the bits with the Christmas trees. I love all the Christmas trees coming into the house. What, they have like seven trees in there, I think, by the end? I don't know. Yeah. Fake tree. Something Including like that. Including the aluminum they have seven trees, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. And I, I love I love all the fake trees. I love I love the Fonz's response. I love um uh I love Al's response uh when he comes in. Um uh and th- this is a point uh this is uh this is an episode of a stupid Potsy. Uh, earlier on, you know, as the evolution of Potsy, at this point, he's pretty stupid. Um, uh, and um, uh, but th- yeah, the tree stuff is great. The the only the only bit, like I said, that I don't that doesn't fully grab me is because because I think it's really weirdly done is the subplot with Richie and the gifts. What did you think of that um, subplot? Well, I, I sort of wondered if it was going to go into a, a, a version of or retelling of O. Henry's uh, A Gift of the Magi. Are yeah. Lori Beth and Richie going to make sacrifices that are ultimately, um, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. for the other, but ultimately give them a gift that they uh, now is rendered meaningless? And they did something a little different. Um, they were just they broke their rules that they sort of made for each other on a spending limit. And then they concluded that it was the thought that counts. So there isn't the same sort of sacrifice in O. Henry, but it's still, I, I found it a meaningful exchange in that they are willing to think of the other before themselves, which shows their growing love for each other. And um, I like that in Lori Beth and in, in Richie. I, 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 th- I think where it, it confused me is that, so, so like, yeah, I got the three plot lines, the one with Fonzie and his dad, and that one goes throughout the whole episode. You have the aluminum tree, which nobody in the house likes, which um, Al puts one up that, that when he plugs it in, you know, burns out all the fuses in, in Arnold's. And that concludes in the end with everyone showing up with trees. But the this sort of C plot line with the gifts is odd because I, I think it's just the way they place it because you'd think it would be something where, like, at the beginning, you'd have a moment where it was like, okay, you know, we're not, um, we're, we're setting a limit. Now, Richie is working at this time. He's working at the post office. So it's weird that okay. he would decide to set a limit for everyone because he's got a job. So I don't know why he chooses to do that. That just seems like one of those, as the show goes along, I, I like Richie with the Fonz. I, I sometimes like Richie with Lori Beth, but Richie starts to do stuff as he gets older in the show where I kind of go, uh, huh. I don't know why you did that, Rich, but uh, it, so so you so you don't actually see a setup for that plot line. You just see Lori Beth saying he bought me this expensive gift, and then everyone storms out, and Lori Beth has the it's really tough to be your girlfriend, and leaves. And Richie is kind of there. Al plugs in the tree. All the lights go out. Commercial break. Come back from commercial. Richie's still there. Al leaves. Lori Beth comes in, and that plot line is wrapped up. It's it's strange because you think that scene would happen like at the end but it's sort of like they they shove this plot right into the center and it's only broken up by a brief scene with the Fonz and Richie so it's kind of like they start the plot line and then conclude the plot line right after it which isn't which is odd structure yeah. i think right yes yeah the emotion seems uh-huh. a bit off because of the time yeah 
Yeah, um, uh, and and because because the way it, it, you you don't get a sense of of exactly so so Lori Beth storms out, and then maybe like three minutes later, all the lights go out. Commercial break. Lights come back on. Everyone's gone. They're closing down. Now, presumably, after all the light, there are some candles on tables. So maybe he, Al tried to keep it open after the lights went out. But presumably, once the lights went out and the power went out, it probably got very cold and people probably left soon after. And so there's no sense of time with, you know, like Lori Beth storms out angry at him, and then she comes back and and somehow he's exchanged. Yeah, how did that work? Wait, so, so the lights go out we go to commercial break when we come back from the break Richie has gone and exchanged his gift to Lori Beth for a cheaper gift and she's gone and exchanged her gift for a more expensive gift but then Richie is in the right. exact same spot more or less where we saw him when we faded out for the commercial break how much time is I, that didn't occur to me that he exchanged <laughs> I, I because I thought it was I thought the lights went out that was the commercial break and then when the when the show came back, it was like a few minutes later or something. But clearly, it's some time later. And, yeah, a significant and, amount of time. And it's weird that Richie would like go back to Arnold's knowing that the power was out. That's what the more I think about the plotline, the weirder it becomes. Just the mechanics of it. Um, so I'm going to stop. Uh, what else do you have on this episode, Joanna? Well, I like that his gift was from uh, that Lori Beth identifies it's from Fister's jewelry store. And Fister, if you pay attention to Happy Days and even Laverne and Shirley, you know that Fister's is the name, a family name of businesses that are in Milwaukee that are used again and again and again. And I actually love that continuity. But I also I've been to Milwaukee because I'm <laughs> I'm such a huge um, Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley fan. I've been to <laughs> Milwaukee. And that's actually true. Fisters is a, a family name that's on businesses that still exists. Um, there's a Fisters Hotel right downtown, and uh, <laughs> it's an interesting. Wow. Uh, if you ever attend, wow. if you ever go to the hotel and the restaurant, um, I mean that's an interesting way to participate in your fandom of Happy Days and Laverne Shirley. But since I've been to um, Milwaukee and, and come back, every time I see Happy Days or Laverne Shirley and they mention Fisters, I'm like. Oh my gosh, that's actually you know authentic, <laughs> real part of Milwaukee yeah. culture. I love that. Uh, now I did look up artificial Christmas trees. They've been around since the 19th century. As as with always, I always try to figure out if I can put a date on the episodes. And it's funny, I sat through the entire episode trying to put a date on it, and then it ends, and it does. It gives you the date. It's it's right. this takes place Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, 1960, which yes. means that. So I and I mean I, I guess I guess I, I guess the only the only thing that makes that slightly odd is the problem of Joni. How old was Joni and guess who's coming to Christmas? Eleven? I, I don't know. I twelve? <laughs> and here I think she's at least sixteen, seventeen here. And so would yeah. that make yeah. it would that so so is guess who's come to Christmas like fifty four or fifty five which doesn't make any sense and, and now I know you're not supposed to be thinking this I know you know may, maybe when the show maybe the day they woke up and suddenly they're like their whole house was redesigned and there was a live audience laughing at everything they said maybe there was some sort of time skip or something like that maybe Joni I don't know may, maybe Joni went time traveling for a few years and returned like on the same day she left, but she'd aged like three or four years. And I don't know. I just, I don't know. It's, um, I, you know, I have a tough enough time and I've said this before on, on the show, I have a tough enough time trying to figure out when you see the exterior of the house, how it works with the set that they have on here. Cause it, yes, with, with, with the layout. I mean, it's not, it's not quite, um, I, I, I've talked about that before. I won't go into, the, into that here. But, um, but yeah, so this actually takes place at Christmas 1960, very specifically, um, which saves a lot of time. I wish they mentioned that at the beginning. I wouldn't have taken all the notes on things that I thought might help. Uh, but, um, oh, oh, and this, this has the great thing, too, that I know you mentioned during Guess Who's Coming to Christmas, where you see the Fonz with several gals, and he's wrapping gifts, and it's the same gift to everybody 
That's right. In this episode, he has uh, an adjustable ring that he's giving to uh, all his uh, friends and girlfriends. And there's an inscription to my one true love <laughs> that he's uh, giving to one, which is kind of funny. Yeah, I, I like that. Uh, so who are you giving this to? And then he pauses. Everybody! And it's, hey! It, it's, it's interesting in that I, I'm actually slightly more convinced that it is snowy and cold out in Guess Who's Coming to Christmas than I am in this one. Just because every time they show an exterior, it's clear that they've sort of just overlaid, like, snow falling. There isn't really, like, snow falling. Which isn't a bad thing, because I actually have it playing right here, and um, Vito shows up at the Cunningham's front door, and then, like, Richie goes out, and then he comes back in, and he has all this fake snow on his head. And I thought, what the heck happened to Richie there? Oh, that's snow! Okay, it looks kind of fake. But that's okay. We know it's fake snow. We know this is an L.A. This is shot in an L.A. studio, everybody. This isn't, this isn't really Milwaukee. Did I just ruin everyone's <laughs> day? I did not mean to. Scare I like that, um, that, you know, Howard brings in the aluminum tree, but Joni is the one that's the most disappointed. She wanted a real tree this year, and she continues to be disappointed even if after he unpacks the aluminum tree and tries to show her how special and unique this uh, experience is. She's still disappointed. I like that in the end, um, not only Howard, but um, Mrs. Cunningham and Richie and Fonzie, Potsy and Ralph and Al all try to make Joni yes. happy by bringing in a tree. So there's six extra live trees brought <laughs> in. And, and so now the Cunningham living room has seven Christmas trees. It's its own Christmas <laughs> in the living room. But it's all meant as a means to make Joni happy and yes. with that sentiment I, I like that gesture that everyone has um, d performed here it's it's really sweet and it, like I said it's just a great scene when the people start coming in with trees there's a there's a Fibber McGee and Molly episode ra uh, for the radio show um, obviously uh, although I think it had a TV show briefly at one time but uh, I think it was, it was a Christmas episode because Fibber McGee and Molly used to do tons of Christmas episodes and I think it's from around 47 or 48. Um, that's 1947, 1948, folks. I'm not just throwing out random numbers. But there's an episode where uh, where the two of them go Christmas tree shopping on, like, Christmas Eve. And they keep not getting the trees they want. And it, and it starts to look like all their friends are, like, getting to these Christmas tree lots and places and buying the trees before they can. And the episode ends with them not having a tree going home and suddenly there are like a half a dozen trees on their porch and they discover that all their friends have bought them trees and it's a really lovely moment and um you can imagine it and this is this is actually one of those moments you know because when they talk about old time radio and this stuff and they say well it's so much better when you can you it's in your mind your imagination i will say this it's actually funnier to watch all these people walking in in quick succession with trees and reacting to them, then hearing, look at all those trees. It's a great Fibber McGee and Molly episode. But whenever they walk in with the trees, I think of that episode and think, I would have loved to have actually seen that. Um, but yeah, it's it's a real funny, and it's, it's, a lovely, um, it's a lovely topper to it that Joni is disappointed. They do spend some time with the tree, but it's pretty obvious pretty quick that this ain't going to fly. And so they don't belabor the fake tree point. And, and the great thing about it, too, is that with Al having the fake tree and working on it and then what it does to his to Arnold's in, in the background of the, all the scenes in Arnold's, it's sort of like that aluminum tree, the presence of the tree is there, even though it's not the Cunningham's tree. It's a tree in Arnold. So you can see them being disappointed with it, which makes it even more disappointing, which, which speeds up the plot line, I think, which is a nice touch, and I, yeah, poor Al. Yeah, 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 yeah. This, this um, plot line, indoor tree forests, actually is repeated several times in television. Um, oh, yeah. In the following year, in the following year on WKRP in Cincinnati, in 1979's Christmas episode, Jennifer's Home for Christmas, for similar reasons, um, Jennifer ends up with a Christmas forest in her apartment when uh, her friends or workplace family, actually, uh, her friends think that Jennifer is spending Christmas alone in her apartment. They each drop by 
with a Christmas tree and she ends up with a whole <laughs> forest in her apartment. Um, again, in a similar statement with this Happy Days episode, they're all trying to make Jennifer happy. So they're bringing trees to uh, raise her spirits. And there's actually, if uh, in a Friends episode in 1996, uh, that one is titled The One Where Rachel Quits. Um, if you'll remember, Phoebe is upset about dead trees being sold on the streets and and her friends then begin collecting trees that they find on the street in Monica's apartment in order to cheer up uh, Phoebe and, and show her that it's a good thing and not a bad thing of having a tree at Christmas time, which ends up with a similar result. There's multiple trees in Monica's apartment. But I like here in Happy Days, it's an early example of that indoor tree forest. I, I like the sort of, uh, and I maybe because I always go back to it, but I, I... I always seem to go back to um, Green Acres in one way or another, but the the one Green Acres Christmas episode, the the basic plot line. There's a lot of other stuff going on, but the basic plot line is that all Oliver wants is a tree, and he has to go through all this rigmarole to get a tree, and everyone's trying to sell him the fake trees. And the joy of one of the, one of the reasons why I love Green Acres is they have the most ridiculous fake tree spraying spruce juice and it you get fake pine needles that you can spread around and they clog up your vacuum cleaner just like the real ones and everybody in the in the Hooterville Valley loves this awful fake tree and and you know per the yes. rules of Hooterville Oliver can't figure out why and everyone's sort of confused but I think I, I if I remember correctly when uh the Ziffles come over on Christmas Eve uh, Arnold is trying to find the, the squeezer or whatever so he can squeeze some spruce juice around but it's a real tree, so it doesn't have a spruce juice squeezer. That's not what they're called in the episode. But it's great that you have, you know, this episode where just trees abound. And then in a, another sitcom episode, the guy, fake trees are the are the thing. I, I wanted to, okay, two things with the sort of um, staging of characters in the episode. Now, I've said before that the thing with Jerry Paris as Happy Days Goes Along is you can see more of the edges of sets. You can see equipment on the floor. There's an episode where I want to say it's Mr. C's birthday and they hold a surprise party for him and there, everyone's crouched down behind the couch when Mr. C comes in and the camera, like, when Mr. C walks in, the camera's, like, really, like, in the lower left-hand corner of the set and you can see, like, lighting equipment as the camera kind of moves forward, tracks up a bit. And so one of the things as... Happy Days goes along, is I'm always looking to see if I can see the lights, if I can see the edge of sets. This one has, I, I, I don't know if you noticed this, and I was trying to justify it in my mind, but there are two moments in the episode. One, when they're decorating the tree, and Mrs. C is talking about the neighbors who don't have a Christmas tree up, and Joni points out that they're Jewish, and the scene at the end where Mr. C is at the camera, and he's sort of like the camera is facing him, and he's like saying, okay, everyone, um, uh, well, Mr. C, Mr. C is at a camera and the actual TV camera shooting the episode is, is looking at him and you can see the bookcase against the wall. But then if you go to the left of the bookcase, suddenly the wall is kind of like gray and there's an indentation in the wall. And at one point there's like some sort of frame, like a picture frame or something. And those things can't be there. That's, that's the wall of the house. Did, did you notice that? I didn't. I didn't at all. Uh, watch, yeah, if, if, you, if you watch this again, yeah, just look at those two moments, especially the bit with Mr. C, because right when he's about to say, I'm setting the timer, you can see on the far left, not only does it, you know, there's this beautiful bookcase, and then all of a sudden there's this, like, ugly gray wall. And then you can see, the, <laughs> I, can't, I, I can't see what it is, but it, there's a frame. There's something framed on the wall. And if you think, what is, isn't, that's, that's not the set anymore. That's like, that's like the wall dividing sets. Um, and Jerry Paris did that a lot. Um, but that, that's, that's something that never fails to distract me uh, when I'm watching this. Because I'm just looking at it going, and I'm trying to justify it by looking at the rest of the set. And going, okay, maybe that that ugly gray is the way the rest of the set looks, but I, it, not really. So there's that. And what what did you think? Okay, let's talk. Compare 
the staging of the family scenes in Guess Who's Coming to Christmas to the staging of the family scenes in this episode. Compare and contrast. <laughs> well, you mentioned um, the the living room space and Guess Who's Coming to Christmas in the second season episode. We have the home viewer really has a more intimate experience. We get the fireplace. We get the stockings on the fireplace. We get the couch. We get the tree. It's a, it's a smaller space, and we're more in the center of it all. And this one, we're, again, far back. Uh, it's a different living room, first of all, but it's the camera is always kept farther back. Um, and we're outsiders just looking at whatever's happening on the stage set. Uh, and that kind of intimacy is lost, um, and, and it has an emotional effect as well. I think the, the the moment where they get it, they are able to sort of handle the the intimacy and such the best is when the Fonz finally is faced with the the, the present and and Richie's reading the letter. At that point, we kind of get close in, but a lot of the other scenes, especially when there are a lot of people there. First off, I notice that people yell a lot. Like when Mr. C comes in with the tree, there's there's um. I, I'm not, I'm not going to yell too loud, but like Mr. C comes in and says something like, I've got the tree. And Richie says, I'll help you bring it in, Dad, next spring. No, I got it right. And they're, they're kind of like, why is everybody yelling? But there, there's a, there, there is a, there, there's a moment when all the trees are there. All the, all, and it's sort of, you, you, the camera is at the, you know, at the edge, edge of the set. And the trees are kind of lined up in the middle of the living room. And then the cast is kind of standing in a line in front of the trees. And and they're kind of, some of them are tilt, kind of uh, favoring one side or the other, looking at someone. But they're basically all standing in a line about four feet away from a wall. Now, I don't know what's on that wall, but I was just thinking, I don't know what the closest wall is to you, Joanna. But and you don't have to do this right now, but when we're done recording, gather up everyone you know. No, well, imagine... <laughs> your family and stand about four feet away from the wall facing the wall imagine your family you're all lined up like you're looking out at a crowd and just imagine spending christmas like that because that's technically what the cunninghams do throughout most of this <laughs> they're they're five or six people standing within five or six feet of a, a wall and they're not and and that's that's the more i think about it the, just the weirder it seems uh, just because in Guess Who's Coming to Christmas, they move throughout the space so well, and everyone has a story. But here, I'm look, actually looking at it right now. LaFon's just brought in a tree, and they're all kind of lined up four to five feet away from the wall. To, and it's, it's such a weird... It's I guess it's something you shouldn't think about. And I don't know why they don't use the whole set. You know, I, I think of like, um, it's like the Bob Newhart show. I love that set of their living room. And they're always using all that space. They're at the couch. They're at the dining room table. They're way in the back. They're, you know, they're, they're always using the space. But here, here, Jerry Paris blocks them like constantly, like three feet from the wall, sort of in a line. And it's, it gets to be a little weird at times, if you think about it. Um, you really shouldn't be thinking about it. But that's what this—that's what this podcast is for. To think about that. What? Did, yeah, I want you to do that, Joanna. When you get off this 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 call with me, I want you to stand three feet from a wall, face it, and pretend you and your your family are celebrating Christmas, and see how that feels. I did it yesterday, and it feels really weird. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Um, what what else? Uh, what else do you have on this one? I think. I don't, I don't have as much uh, as this as I had, like, on Guess Who's Coming to Christmas. But The thing that I love most about Guess Who's Coming to Christmas are the emotions and the poignancy and even the mm -hmm. touch of sadness at the thought of uh, Fonzie being alone and and for Christmas. And one of the reasons I call this my second favorite Christmas episode is because I feel the emotions in this. Um, mm -hmm. This, you know, a Christmas episode is one of those times where one does reflect um, more deeply on one's feelings for one's family. And Fonzie here is reflecting on his lack of family. And, um, and he goes a little bit deeper than usual. And it's one of those rare moments where we get Fonzie talking about um, his father, let alone his family at all, but his father specifically. You mentioned how Richie keeps pushing him to open the gift and he keeps saying, no, no, no. 
I, I'm not ready to open it. And I think that's an efficient part of this episode is it shows us, it gives Fonzie an opportunity to show you how he, he doesn't know what that gift is and he's not ready to deal with those emotions. His emotions are so powerful, he needs to delay them till he feels he's ready. And eventually uh, when he does open the gift, um, we see a, a, a really wide range of emotions. Fonzie is angry. Uh, he feels abandoned. He feels rejected. Um, he, he actually puts uh, words to some of his feelings. He, he mentions hate for his father. He, he talks about being fearful. But then we also, oh, he's also got the complex emotion of when he finds out that the gift is actually from his father, who he met and completely blew off as the delivery guy, he's now got these feelings of a missed opportunity. But then we also get that very profound uh, expression of relief that Fonzie jumps up, up from the floor up to the stool, exploding his emotions. He's got relief that uh, he doesn't need to hate his father anymore. His, he is old enough to understand uh, how difficult it is to be a father, how difficult it is to be an adult man. And in some uh, beginning new way, Fonzie understands that it's not his fault and that he understands his father's feelings and he gives up this hate that he's been carrying around for, for his father since he was three years old. And these are very complex emotions. And here they're only dealt with very quickly and efficiently as we move through this episode, but at least they're being dealt with. And and not every episode of the sitcom um, is going to be dealing with this kind of range of emotion. And it would be complex to get a gift from a father that you haven't seen since you were three years old. Yeah. And you have a wide range of emotion. And I like that they're attempting, whether they succeed or not, is something else. But I like that they're attempting to give Fonzie some sort of... Uh, expression about these feelings he has for his father at Christmas time and a chance to sort of work through some of them or at least begin to work through some of them, which, um, which is good. And I like that they do this in a way too, where the Cunninghams are surrounding him while he unpacks these feelings. He's got his yes. new family, uh, that, that help him work through these emotions, even if uh, even if Richie is pushing him a little bit uh, faster than he's willing to go. He is uh, there when he does open the gift. He's and, and when we see him put on the kimono, he's proud that um, yes. he's beginning to work through these feelings and that his dad does love him enough um, to send him something and to keep him in his thoughts even these years later. I like this episode for these reasons. Yeah, I think. I think the more we talk about it, the more I like it. I think I, I think um, I think I just got distracted because I, I just got distracted by some of the blocking and stuff in the episode. It, it's fun too. I, I, I mentioned with guests who's coming to Christmas, um, like uh, Joni and the Fonz. They're sort of I, I don't I don't want to say Big Brother because she has a big brother, but but the sort of their relationship. You can really see how it's developed here. Like there there's a moment like where where uh, Potsy and Ralph come in with the tree. And they and they pass by uh, the Fonz who shows off his kimono. And as the camera kind of pans over to the left, to uh, to Richie and Patsy going to talk to, or, or Patsy and Ralph going to talk to Richie, you sort of see um, the Fonz kind of preening with his kimono, looking over at Joni, and they they smile at one another in a way that is clearly, I, I think, not only the characters but the actors themselves having a good time. And that that's one of the things you see in this that you don't see in the original two seasons is you have moments where if you look at the faces of the actors in the scenes who aren't specifically doing something, they look like they're having a great time. Yeah. And, and, and you, you can't really, you couldn't really do that in the, in, in the first two seasons, just because of the way it was shot, but in front of an audience and with the, the energy of that and the, the excitement of that, you, you can see moments where, well, I saw like I saw Marion Ross look at the camera probably four times. You know, you you could see these little moments where they're kind of um, it's it's you, you like you kind of like the actors as much as you do the characters by this point, sort of. I don't know if that uh, that sentence makes any sense, but but you could sort of see yeah they're having fun and it's a good time and I, I yeah the more I talk about it the more I I, I like and I oh, oh I just I think I think I just have one more thing and that's um. I do like, like in Guess Who's Coming to Christmas, Richie is the one who sort of gets them to the point where, to, to confront 
gets to the point where he's confronting the Fonz. Now, in Guess Who's Coming to Christmas, obviously, they're trying to do it surreptitiously. But he gets to that point, and then he can't quite... When he's done what he does, he, he doesn't quite have the that final step to get the Fonz to, to come on over. And it's Mr. C who does it in both of them. Mr. C is the one who comes up with the uh, Santa, come and fix the Santa and help with the lights and that sort of thing. And in this one, it's Mr. C's response to Vito in uh, the letter that is the, the thing that, that gets the Fonz to give, gives him that moment where he suddenly becomes yes. happy again. So it's sort of like, you know, Richie still, you know, like Richie, if there was a Happy Days Again, wasn't that what the syndicated ones were called, Happy Days Again? Um, yeah. Uh, if 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 there was a show kind of like a Happy Days, you know, like uh, what's happening now kind of thing, like 10, 15 years later, I think you, and you saw an older Richie with his kids, I think you would see Richie pretty much acting sort of exactly in situations like this, like his dad. But because Richie's still young right here, he can sort of go, he knows where he has to go, but he still needs sort of like his dad to like lean in and go, you know, I'll, you know, this, now you, you, you still got one more step to take kind of, he's, Richie's still learning. And I, I like to see, I, I like that. I think that's very sweet. So that's Christmas time, everybody. And we will get, there will be more uh, Happy Days Christmas episodes to come. And uh, Joanna, thank you again for joining me for this. This is fun. And, Thanks for uh, including. Where, where, oh, where, where can we find you online? You can find me at my website at christmastvhistory.com. You can also find me on social media at um, Tis a Season TV, which is also the name of my encyclopedia. All right. Thank you again. And yeah, everyone, that was um, that was Christmas time. Rocket ship destination for the moon If you will be so very quiet You can hear him leaving soon With a blast in his zoom He's off to the moon Santa's on his way Rudolph with his big red nose Hey everyone, we're not quite done yet I'd like to read you two brief uh, columns, articles, things from my blog, some Polish American Guy Reviews things, Polish American Guy Reviews.blogspot.com. These are for the Very Merry Me TV blogathon, November 16th, December 25th, when basically, I think this was the second time Me TV did this, they sent us, those of us in this association, a schedule of what Thanksgiving shows and Christmas shows and um, uh, New Year shows, holiday shows they were showing that year, and we all picked one or two. I picked two and wrote about them. And I wrote about the two episodes that uh, Joanna and I have talked about here. Uh, you know, previously um, uh, from season two, I guess who's coming to Christmas and Christmas time. I thought I'd just read you the articles. Um, I like them, so let me read you these, and then and then I'll let you go. Here we go. Uh, this was posted Sunday, December 20th, 2015. Uh, a happier time. Happy Days Season 2, Episode 8. Guess who's coming to Christmas? Now, this there are quite a few screenshots in this. I won't go over the screenshots unless I pass by one. It makes me laugh or, it looks, or, or unless the writing refers to it. But let, I'll just read what is here. Vito and Angela Fonzarelli gave birth to a son that they named Arthur. Then Vito vanished. After time, Angela went away too. Arthur, affectionately known as the Fonz, was raised by his grandma Nussbaum. The young man dropped out of high school and became a very 1950s-style rebel based on Marlon Brando and the Wild Ones, with a bit of James Dean thrown in. In the early days of his existence, as we know it, he wore a very sensible green windbreaker as he sat on his motorcycle, hanging out. He had a very rebellious bad boy nature to him, which apparently drove the ladies crazy because very few could deny his charms. He started wearing a leather jacket after time became good friends with a young man named Richard Cunningham. The Fonz was everything Richie wanted to be, super cool, irresistible to the ladies, and always doing his own thing. Richie was everything the Fonz wanted to be, minus the increased amount of ladies. Richie had a family, he had plenty of loved ones, and lots of friends. In the early days of Gary Marshall's hit television show Happy Days, the Fonz was a semi-shady character who, while appearing in every episode, was almost too cool and aloof for anyone to get near. 
As the second season began in September 1974, Richie and the Fonz became closer and closer friends. This was kind of due to the fact that the Fonz was becoming more and more popular on the show. One of the many times in TV history when a secondary character has overwhelmed the stars. The Fonz was a rebel, but he was a charming rebel. He brought a touch of excitement and a whole lot of cool to Milwaukee in the second half of the 1950s. It's in the episode Guess Who's Coming to Christmas that the Fonz becomes, in all but name, a member of the Cunningham family. And there's a picture in that in the episode. There, um, Ralph and Potsy have like a stalk of parsley or something. They pretend it's mistletoe and they keep kissing girls walking by. And I have one here where Ralph is kissing a girl and Potsy's standing right behind him with that dumb Potsy look, a smile on his face. And my caption is, I tried this at a McDonald's. I'm writing this blog post from prison where I'm serving 8 to 10 for jackassery. Howard Cunningham, Mr. C, has declared that this Christmas will be just for the nuclear Cunningham family. Even the slowly fighting from existence, Chuck will return for one more Christmas before continuity would delete him forever. Joni, Richie's sister, isn't happy with these plans, but the rest of the family, including Marion, Mrs. C, seem fine with it. Very quickly, the episode hops to Arnold's, the local burger joint, where Richie's hanging out with his two pals, Warren, Potsy Weber, and Ralph Mouth. Those two goofballs using parsley as mistletoe to get smooches. This is the kind of thing we did in the 1950s, and it was fun. Keeping in mind that I was born in 1973, and when I say the kind of thing we did, I mean the kind of thing we did in the 1970s when we were wishing it was the 1950s. The Fonz arrives full of good cheer and gifts for the two waitresses and something for the three guys. The Fonz Bonemi belies a bit of darkness. Where is his dad? Why did his dad leave his family? Will he ever return? Where is his mom? Why did she vanish from the picture? Where is Grandma Nussbaum? When will we meet her? No time for those questions now, though, because the Fonz must remain cool at all times. So he sits down with the three high school students after being given a gift of a banana split from one of the waitresses, Marcia, as they tell Fonzie about their Christmas Eve slash Christmas Day plans. Well, the Fonz has plans of his own. He's going to Waukesha to spend Christmas with his family. He extols the awesomeness of his family get-together, which sounds like it rivals Christmas at the Ewings. And, of course, it's all baloney. The Fonz doesn't have anywhere to go. He'll be alone in his apartment with only his bike to keep him company. Or will he be alone? Maybe there'll be some sort of Christmas miracle that will bring him together with family. There's a knock at the door, but I'm getting ahead of myself. After the scene at Arnold's, Richie joins his father for a Christmas party at Mr. C's hardware store, where we meet the delightful members of the staff whose names I've completely forgotten. I think there's a guy named Buzz. They drink eggnog and act very 1950s, especially the strange-looking older lady who might be Joe Besser in drag. After the party, the Cunningham car breaks down, but the Fonz is still at work. He fixes their car and misses his bus. The Fonz becomes very defensive when they offer to sit with him until the next bus, so Richie and Mr. C leave Arthur at the garage. The Cunningham Christmas has begun almost. Richie goes back in the garage to give the Fonz a gift, and he sees the Fonz eating ravioli out of a can and admiring a Christmas card. Richie gets it, but will he be able to convince family-centric Howard to return to the Fonz's apartment and get the Fonz to come back and spend Christmas with them? There's a knock at the door. A conversation occurs. A semi-furtive conversation where a secret is being kept plays out. The Fonz is involved. It is Christmas time. Where are the Fonz's parents? We're still early in the show here. For the first two seasons, Happy Days was shot as a single camera show with a laugh track. Its third season, the show would go multi-camera like most sitcoms at the time with a loud, raucous crowd looking on. That's when the Fonz really took off. That's when he was boosted a second to credits. That's when he gained magical powers. That's when he began leaping over many, many things with his bike. That's where his backstory started filling in. That's also where he started getting family members, including Chachi and Grandma Nussbaum and a cousin Angelo. For being a man who's so lonely in this episode, it turns out there's a lot of family around for him. But that's later in the series. Here he becomes part of the Cunningham family for their Christmas. They get him to come over and the guys are fixing this odd Santa automaton that sits on their front porch. And the Fonz misses the last bus. But it's okay, because the Cunninghams have a beautiful Christmas setup. The Fonz stays. In fact, he stays the night. And it's really all very lovely. In fact, of the 250 episodes of Happy Days, this one is in my top five favorites. It starts off okay, but then once that car breaks down, it gets better and better. From the low point of the Fonz and his ravioli, to Richie's worry for his friend, to the visit to the Fonz's apartment, to the unbridled joy one can see in the Fonz's demeanor when he gets to be a part of a real family Christmas. This episode is everything that is good about Happy Days, but it is, in the end, kind of a placeholder for the real story behind the Fonz and why, does, why he doesn't have anywhere to go. Now, the show never fully answers all the questions. The Christmas feeling is so strong here that who cares is the initial response. But unanswered questions can burn into your soul and leave you aching. 
The Cunninghams take the Fonz in as their own, but those questions still remain unanswered. Christmas 1960. There is a knock at the door. To be continued. All right, here is the next one. This one posted December 23rd, 2015. What was I doing on December 12th? I was working, yeah. Finishing up the um, action movie book, yeah. Fun. Okay, so what's happening? What's happening? Here we go. This is part two of that uh, that review you just heard the first part of. This is Happy Days, Season 6, Episode 16, Christmas Time, Part 2. There's a knock at the door, but it's a different door, and it's a different story. A brief tangent. Christmas Time aired four years after Guess Who's Coming to Christmas. The episode itself is very specifically set at Christmas 1960. Richie graduated from high school in Season 4 and has been in college for a while. There's every good chance that Guess Who is set at Christmas 1956, except for one big element, Joni receives a hula hoop. The hula hoop craze was in 1958. On the other hand, Joni's physical growth doesn't match up to two years, so maybe it is 1956. There's one Christmas episode in between these two we're discussing, so there is a Christmas gap. All this seems like it might be not be terribly important in the grand scheme of things, but I always like to try to set the stage as best I can. However, the, f- However, the fun of trying to date Happy Days episodes must step aside. There's that darn knock at the door to deal with. The first important knock was in either Christmas 1956 or Christmas 1958, probably 58. It was Mr. C and Richie trying to get the Fonz to come back to their house to celebrate the holiday without wounding his pride. And it works, but past issues haven't been addressed. No wounds have been healed. It's that second knock, the one in 1960, that heals a wound, although it looks like it might go wrong for a while. Times have changed since whenever, guess who happened. The Fonz no longer lives in that apartment building. He now lives in the rooms above the Cunningham's garage. Chuck is no longer there. We do not speak of Chuck. The Fonz lives with the family almost as an eldest son. He basically has a variation on the attic room that Greg got in the Brady Bunch or that many of my friends had in high school. The Fonz lives with the family, but set apart from the family. That's for the best, I think, with what with the constant influx of women into the place. By this point in the series, around 130 episodes, the show is a live studio audience, and each episode is as loud and raucous as every other sitcom on TV. And it works to the show's advantage, because the viewing audience went through the roof, mainly because of the Fonz. The Fonz, who is an enigma wrapped in a riddle shrouded in a leather jacket, clearly a nice man with magical powers who loves the Cunninghams, his favorite middle-class family, and being alive in this time period. But as mentioned in part one, there is a darkness there, and no matter how cool the Fonz's scarf is, this Christmas may be a rough one for him because there is a knock at the door. And it's a sailor with a gift. Most Happy Days episodes have one main plot line going through them. Most modern-day sitcoms usually have an A story and a B story, even a C story. This episode of Happy Days, plus a later Christmas episode, has multiple storylines. The A story is the Fonz. The B story is Mr. C buying an aluminum Christmas tree that no one is happy with. The C story is something to do with Richie and Lori Beth, and I'm getting sleepy already writing about those two. Their relationship is something for another column. The B story is funny, especially the revolution, but the Fonz rules here, especially when he learns that the gift is from Vito Fonzarelli, his dad. His dad that he hasn't seen since he was six. Then the wounds open anew. I think the Fonz's pain was always there, but his life with the Cunninghams, the constant flow of ladies, and his evolving magical powers covered everything up. The sailor with a gift tears it all wide open. The Fonz becomes angry, spiteful, and threatens his best friend Richie when Richie tries to help him overcome some of the bitterness. The dark side of the Fonz comes out here, albeit briefly. It was a side we always felt was there, but don't see, really, until now. It took a second knock on the door at Christmas to bring it, to threaten to tear apart what the initial knock had created. The Fonz hates his dad, hates Vito for how he tore their, apart their home life, hates him because Vito's leaving must have influenced Mom leaving later on. The Cunninghams bring the Fonz happiness and joy, probably better than his parents may have been able to do. But the return of his father via the gift shows off that what he has with the Cunninghams is not actual family. His actual family has returned to his life, and he hates it. This is all a bit dark for such a carefree show, said the 1950s or 1960. Luckily, the Fonz is Richie on his side. Richie keeps pushing the Fonz again and again to open the Christmas gift from his dad, sometimes at the risk of Richie being punched hard by the Fonz. And we all know when the Fonz punches you, you stay down. But the friendship is so strong, possibly forged by Christmas's past, that Richie keeps pushing, and it all culminates at the Christmas Eve family dinner. Everyone has had a lovely meal. They're starting to open gifts. The big joke throughout the scene is that everyone has brought a real Christmas tree to the house because the aluminum one is so depressing. The family sits at their couch in what looks like the center of a Christmas tree lot. It's a funny gag. 
Fibrogi and Molly did something similar on a radio episode back in the 1950s. It's a funnier visual. Richie hands the Fonz his dad's gift with a letter, and the Fonz gets very angry. But the Cunninghams keep him under control, and Richie reads the letter. We learn why Vito left his family, as the Fonz sits sullen throughout. Mr. C gets angry at Vito for abandoning his family. The whole scene is as tense as, will they be able to get the Fonz to come over for Christmas from so long ago? But the emphasis is different. There's no more chicanery or fiddle about going on here. They love the Fonz. The Fonz loves them. They want him to be well. They want the Fonz healed. It's a wonderful, honest scene, and it has a twist within it. It might be an obvious twist, but this should be considered a spoiler. I'll put some comedy tree pictures here. The paragraph in between the tree pictures is the spoiler. There we go. Da, 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 da. And you've already heard the spoiler. The sailor with the gift was Vito. One can sort of see that in a second viewing. The sailor doesn't just hand off the gift and go. He seems to be waiting for the Fonz to say something good about his dad, but the Fonz won't. One can see a proud glint in the sailor's eyes when he sees his son. When you finish watching the episode, go back and watch it again with that revelation in mind. It makes the scene even more poignant. There's a big, uncomfortable moment at the end of the scene where the Fonz is stone cold still. One wishes that Chachi could have been there to provide that extra family support, but who's watching the kids wasn't going to shoot itself. After that dark, uncertain moment, the Fonz is out of cheer. The wound is healed as well as it will ever be. How? Because all his life, the Fonz had thought that he was the reason his dad left. But it turns out Vito was a bad dad. It had nothing to do with the Fonz. The viewer can wait, see a weight lift off of Arthur at that moment. His dad's gift? A kimono. And the Fonz looks good in it. And Christmas looks great on the Fonz and the Cunninghams. Oddly enough, it is all down to Richie being the one who does the pushing. And guess who's coming to Christmas? Richie gets Mr. C to go to Fonzie's place and bring him over. They could so easily have let it ride. The Fonz would have been fine. In Christmas time, Richie pushes the Fonz to face up to the gift. These two moments are obviously huge ones in the Cunningham-slash-Fonz relations. The next big one would be at the end of the series and would bring everything full circle. That would be the first one that is actually between the Cunninghams and the Fonz himself, as opposed to the Fonz demons and his past. That is another story. Two knocks at two doors, with the same man on the other side of the different doors. Happy Days wasn't known for its character arcs, but they are there. There's more to the Fonz's arc dealing with his past, but it really begins with Guess Who's Coming to Christmas and reaches an emotional climax during Christmas time. He would possibly find his mom, Grandma Nussbaum would appear, Chachi would become a regular. All sorts of great bits would follow. But these two Christmas episodes are the main sticking points, and they are fantastic. Merry Christmas. Stay cool. You know me.